Hello, you're listening to the Ghost Light Podcast bonus episode, the 2002 film Men with Brooms. Listen, I need some advice. About what? About your sister. Oh, come on, you're a woman. Oh, you notice. What? Oh, just go. Chris Cutter has come home to three unlikely teammates. I'm a drug dealer. I bury dead people. I have a single-digit sperm count. Two complicated sisters. Oh, I got the tape. Here, I'll give it to him. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Knock it off, okay? And one last chance for the gold. And the golden room is underway. Each team has eight rocks. Each guy throws two. When all the rocks are thrown, whoever has their rock closest to the button, that team gets the points. <laughs> like riding a bike. Never really lose it, do you? Not really. They're mushrooms. Magic, my son. Magical mushrooms. Rest assured that I have no commercial aspirations whatsoever. These mushrooms are medicinal. On this given day, on our rink, with our brooms, we shall be victorious. I feel a general sense of dread. How many times have you been pushed around? Is anybody there? Does anybody care? Your son's a creep. But that creep has got it for you. He just doesn't know it yet. This spring... There's more than one way to sweep a woman off her feet. When you get back to the truck, take a good long look at that woman brought you. Paul Gross, Molly Parker, and Leslie Nielsen. I think we should finish that conversation we started in your truck. We didn't say anything. Look in my eyes and tell me that. Men with Brooms. Welcome back to the Ghostlight Podcast. We're doing a bonus episode this week uh, using a film that was produced before Slings and Arrows was made, uh, was directed, written, and a whole bunch of other stuff by Paul Gross, who plays Jeffrey on Slings and Arrows. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Mackey, and I have with me my lovely wife, Darcy. Hello. And my lovely friend, Amy. Hello. And my other lovely friend, Ben. Hi. He's lovely. <laughs> I'm very, very pretty. <laughs> All right. Well, a bit of a bit of an intro for this. Uh, the idea of making the movie started in ni- 1999 when Due South was canceled. Due South, the uh, the Mountie Chicago Cop television show that no one seems to quite remember. I remember and it. Paul Paul Gross was the lead character in that. Yeah, he was the Mountie. Television. He was the Mountie on that. There was a there was a there was a cop, a Chicago cop, and a Mountie. I can't remember who the Chicago Chicago cop was, but uh, and did it take place in Chicago or yes. in Canada? Mainly in what, Chicago. What kind of jurisdiction did Paul Gross have then? Uh, I believe initially he was on some sort of... Uh, uh, Expediting somebody or something yeah, like that? I'm not exactly sure. I don't recall. Mm. Anyways, this is not about <laughs> Due South. <laughs> we'll leave that to Tabitha Gray Smith someday. <laughs> because she's the biggest Due South fan that I know. Okay. All right. Uh, when the show was canceled, Paul Gross wanted to make a hockey movie. And he discussed it with the producer and co-writer of this film. Uh, but they decided that there were too many characters involved in a hockey movie. 
and that they wouldn't be able to budget for it or get everybody fit in uh, properly. Uh, so Paul Gross later chose the sport of curling. Uh, the majority of the film was shot in and around Toronto and Hamilton, Ontario, with exteriors uh, that were shot in Sudbury near the copper and nickel mines. And the uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell whether that was uh, copper or nickel or iron or what they were smelting exactly, but they were... Uh, they were smelting. They smelt something there. <laughs> and then they dealt it. <laughs> uh, it was released in Canada March 8th of 2002, grossing $4.2 million Canadian, I think. And in the U.S., it was released on 27 screens around the same time and grossed $14,765. Uh, uh, how much? What was it budgeted for? I'm sorry. It was, I didn't say the budget but yet, but uh, it was budgeted at $7.5 million. So... Uh, Really over half of their money back. Yeah, and then it has had a cult following on DVD, but I'm not exactly sure how profitable the DVDs are or have been for them. So yeah, uh, you, I, don't really, you don't really get that kind of data out of people usually. So um, Paul Gross is listed in the opening credits as music, original music by, story by, screenplay by, and directed by. And, of course, he also stars as Chris Cutter. And uh, if everybody's uh, cool, we'll just uh, get into the, uh, the film itself. How's that? Well, I just I have a question about oh, okay. the movie. Certainly, just real quick. Oh yes. Um, we established this probably on the last show, but the sport of curling in the Olympics premiered in two thousand two, right? No, we decided two thousand eight. I think we decided it was two thousand two or nineteen ninety eight. Two thousand two. Okay, oh, it might because I vaguely remember. I mean, because there was suddenly a huge like curling craze in America because we had no idea what the sport was, and I vaguely remember this movie being out around the same time. I'm wondering. If they made that choice once they found out that cor- curling was going to be in the Olympics a year or two later while they were writing the script. It's hard to say. It's such a huge sport in Canada that it's hard to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I- my, my dad started curling when I was in junior high. And um, I, I, at that point, I, I, I never really got into the, uh, the junior curling leagues that they had available at the curling club. But uh, I did get down. We did get to you know get a little tour of the place and... Uh, I lifted a uh, I lifted a curling stone and with my little ninety eight pound weakling arm it was uh, it was quite a daunting task. <laughs> it weighed half your half your size. Yeah, I don't know if I was ninety eight pounds at that point, but something. Oh. You know, I, do, I, I do called it. Do they have like small like little kid curling stones? Because like they have little bowling balls, wouldn't they have the whole? You gotta imagine they probably have juvenile curling stones for juvenile curling. Yeah. All right. Well, then I want to ask my other two co-hosts. I had never heard of curling until 2002 in the Olympics. Had you guys ever heard of it prior to the Olympics? I had heard of it when I met this guy named Paul Mackey. <laughs> so he had this dad, but that's was that prior uh, that was to it. 2002? Uh, yeah, it was well prior to 2002. We're not gonna go into the date, but yeah, Amy. I don't remember when I heard of curling for the first time. It probably was the 2002 Olympics. Yeah. I guess that would be a good educated guess. I went back to the Wikipedia page, and it was in the 1998 Winter Olympics. That was the first year it was an official Winter Olympic sport. Hmm. So that that makes me wonder. I can't remember when the craze happened, uh, if it was 2002 or 1998. I just remember that, that Olympics it being kind of crazy. Yeah. I wonder if they... If it was, in fact, the craze was in 98, if they decided to go curling to make it more international. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I might, I might have to use uh, Jonathan Colton's song, Curl. Oh, that'd be awesome. It's Creative Commons, after all. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Come on, baby, put the rock in the house. Yes. That's the one. Okay. That's the one. Somewhere in the darkness... 
There's a man they call the skipper, fast asleep, dreaming of gold. Weeks before the sun does, even though he'd rather stay in bed. Curses the cold in Minnesota. Why's it always so damn cold? Coffee's warm, their breath hangs in the air. They hit the ice. No one's there to see it. There's no press or paparazzi. That's okay. But it'd be nice if someone noticed that they've all been working hard. Pushing these rocks around. Skipper, fast asleep, dreaming of gold. The uh, Golden Broom is, of course, fictionalized, but there are various trophies and bond spiels across the the nation of Canada and in the U.S. as well that that happen at various times. What does bond spiel mean? Uh, tec- Competition. It's basically, it's 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 kind of a, a amalgamation of uh, of French and German. It means good play. Oh, I knew that. I was always asked. Oh. Uh, but I, so, but yeah, Bonspiel bon is something that they that they they are all over the place. Um, and my dad's occasionally traveled to compete in them. Hmm. But then there's also uh, major cups, like the 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 Briar Cup in uh, in uh, Canada is one of the major uh, trophy trophy games, uh, trophy Bonspiels in Canada. And then they also have uh, there's also Canadian National Championship, and there's a World Curling Championship that's held every year as well uh, in various places. 
looked like it was most frequently held in uh, either Scotland or Canada, occasionally the U.S., occasionally Sweden. And in the Olympics. Yes. Well, I mean, and they also have the Olympics. That's another. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that there were three things that I noticed in this in this, uh, in this this movie, and I thought that they were all fairly improbable. It turned out that one of the three things is true, and I'll tell you what it is when we get to it. Well, it's it digital beavers? <laughs> <laughs> Digital beeves. They were pretty horrible. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I was surprised. I mean, we'll get to it, but to see that uh, they weren't all digital. Yeah, at the, at the yeah. end credits. End credits, you get yeah. the, uh, the few. Uh, but definitely the ones in the opening credits are very, very beginning. Yes. Very digital and very less so, beavery, more <laughs> digital. Yeah. Less beavery? Shall we launch Did I say thing? that? Oh. He's Canadian. He is. Maybe he should go home. Shall we launch into it? Go. Okay. So, Arts. all right, we'll launch into it. the uh, The opening shots are of the uh, the lone piper out in the uh, out in the rapids and the uh, CGI beavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, the song is uh, "Land of the Silver Be- Silver Birch." Uh, song is actually a uh, tra- traditional Canadian folk song that's got a long and storied history. Um, it's originally based off of another folk song that was used for paddling and keeping time while paddling. Hmm. Um, this particular recording is um, one of the vocalists is Paul Gross, and the other ones are uh, other other people. Uh, but uh, they actually Paul Gross is actually singing on "Land of the Silver Birch" at the beginning. He is not the <laughs> cool. bagpipe player, though, right? No, because oh. when it started off, I thought for sure that was him, and then we see that guy later on in the movie, and he's got this whole soul patch thing going on. Yeah, and I realized that wasn't Paul Gross in the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, that's. I thought that too. I actually assumed when I saw the bagpiper, I assumed that had to be Paul Gross. So I wrote you in do. my notes, "Paul Gross in a kilt, yay!" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that, but I did notice and did note. Oh, he plays bagpipes, mm-hmm. or at least holds the bagpipes convincingly while they play <laughs> right, bagpipe right. music. <laughs> but uh, not actually the truth. Uh, so we get uh, Donald Foley and his daughter Amy bringing a curling stone to the surface of a lake. And Donald Foley uh, promptly passing on. Now, one thing that was interesting to me was that uh, basically, and I'm sort of, sort of skipping ahead, but basically they say that Cutter dropped the stones in the lake or dropped them through the ice or whatever it was when, when, the, when, when he had his breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to work out, did he tell someone eventually, hey, by the way, they're in the lake? How do they work out to go looking there? I think, I think uh, and we can talk about this now, Yeah. Um, there's a scene where they... At the funeral, hmm. or not the funeral, where they're reading the will, yes. where they, t- where the the lawyer or whatever says, "I don't know how they got in the lake," and those two look at each other, Paul or not Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul Gross and Molly Parker look at each other and share a knowing glance or whatever. And then later on, it's mentioned that they're drinking buddies during that time period. So I'm sure the two of them went out there and threw them in the lake. Yeah, could be. And that's how Molly knew where to go. That would, even have... though her name's not Molly, but yes, Amy, Amy, not you, Amy. I, I know what Amy you Foley. mean. <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, Amy Foley is played by Molly Parker, and Molly Parker, uh, among other things, has also been in uh, a significant role on Deadwood and uh, Dexter, and most recently on House of Cards. Hmm. Oh, what does she play on House of Cards? The most recent season or last season? Uh, I think it was last season. There's a whole lot of credits. I didn't. Uh, I didn't look it up because I haven't watched House of Cards. Uh, no, I just I recognize the name and. Sort of the face, but I can't really place her. I couldn't really place her in anything. Apparently, the place that most people remember her from is Deadwood, but I've never seen Deadwood. Uh, yeah, me neither. Hmm. 
And she's also been, uh, I think she like she had a role on two two episodes of Six Feet Under and a few other things. No one in this movie is in um, Slings and Arrows, though. Two people. So I, okay, other than Paul Gross? Uh, three people. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I am. Yeah. Okay. I I no, I, I don't can, I don't know if you've I, recognized who was who all it was. I recognized a few people. Yes. Okay. I did not recognize anybody. I was oh, able to, nice. I was able to yeah. find three. Cool. Total. Well, Paul Paul Gross and two others. Um. So we uh, get the uh, audio of Donald's video will with scenes of uh, Long Bay. That would be uh, scenes around Sudbury, Ontario, for those exteriors. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then we get introduce introduction of his wife, his daughter Julie. And the rink of curlers, Neil Busick, Eddie Strombeck, and wife Lily. Uh, his wife Lily is played by Jane Spidell. She was one of the stage actors in Oliver's Dream, um, playing Hermia. Ah, mm. oh, okay. So that's two. Yes. Uh, James Lennox is another one of the, uh, the curlers, and his girlfriend Joanne. And of course, we also meet up with uh, Chris Cutter and... Uh, during this uh, Will sequence, we also get a quick on-street scene with Amy and a quick uh, brief look at Leslie Nielsen uh, as Gordon Cutter, Chris's estranged father. They just they basically looks out the window, and that's about all you get at that point. Mm-hmm. So it works out that Donald Foley had his ashes put into a curling stone and wants his rink to reunite and win the golden broom of Long Bay, which no rink in Long Bay has ever actually won. Mm-hmm. I wrote At this point, I wrote down in my notes... Another parallel to slings and arrows. <clears throat> Pardon me. Oliver wanted his ashes to be sprinkled into the river in the park, but first he wanted to have his skull preserved and he wanted his actors to use it as a prop in future productions of Hamlet. Donald, well, you just described, mm. he also wanted his curling bra- his protégés to have a memento of him, as it were. Yes. And, and go on to do great things with it. <laughs> I think the another... Uh, pretty substantial slings and arrows references that both Chris and um, Jeffrey. Jeffrey both had mental breakdowns years yeah. ago and yes. then have like prodigal son return. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I noted that too. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. Pardon me. That was definitely something I was noting when I when I thought about putting the two two uh, things together. Mm-hmm. Aside from Paul Gross being so integrally involved in this uh, production. Next, we get a scene at the Busick house, and we meet Linda Busick, who is uh, Carrie Matchett, uh, who I know best from Wonderfalls. She played uh, the sister, or no, the sister's girlfriend, the UPS, the UPS driver's wife. Okay. I don't know what Wonderfalls is. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to explain <laughs> to Darcy because Darcy's, <laughs> Darcy's watched it. Uh, the the UPS driver had the wife, and and then ended up. Uh, gotcha. No, that was King of Queens with the UPS driver and the wife. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and she was also on uh, 24 and ER, among uh, many other things. Neil discusses uh, death with the kids, and then he uh, curls the beats down the table. <laughs> <laughs> she really wanted those beats. Ah, she was pretty uh, insistent. She asked, she asked three times. I know. At least she didn't have to ask five times, because I know I often have to ask five times for things. Before something is curled to you? Not for beats, no. I'll curl mm-hmm. you the beats anytime. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get what you were just doing with your hands. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a video podcast. <laughs> oh, Luckily so. Good thing. Uh, Eddie and Lily want to, are working to conceive. Uh, that's all I got on that. It's basically, yeah, you don't have to say anything else. The, the dog oh, the beginning scene was interesting. This was a, I thought this was probably one of the funnier scenes of the whole movie. Just because it was very uncomfortable and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Plus the, she takes that thing out. That candy and thermometer? And spatula. <laughs> and I was like, why does she have a spatula up there? <laughs> I think it was a candy thermometer. Right? It was, was that a candy? candy thermometer, yes. <laughs> All right. And then the dog walking in front of the camera. That was pretty funny, too. Yeah, the dog seemed uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Poor dog. Whether it was for real or mimed, the, the dog was uncomfortable for real. <laughs> <laughs> Only way it can be. Uh, then uh, Lennox is explaining curling to Joanne in the room next to Cutter, using a lipstick and a canvas of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> With a button. With a button. A pierced button. <laughs> Yep. It is 2002, so <laughs> belly button piercings. Mm-hmm. And at which point, uh, after he finishes, Lex, Le- Lennox uh, finds Stuckmore in the washroom. See, I got Canadian there? Washroom? Washroom. Instead of the bathroom? Bat, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuckmore knocks Lennox around, knocks him through the motel wall into Cutter's room. He's looking for his money. His and, what? Uh, his money. <laughs> okay, he's checking. And uh, Cutter knocks Stuckmore out with one of the curling stones. Whack. That would have killed him. Yeah, look, I think that's pretty uh, a those, solid hit. Yeah, those things are pretty nasty. It's heavy. <sighs> then the rink uh, gets the, 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 the whole rink of them get to drive around. That's the team. The rink. Question. Yes. How do those other two guys get into the car with them? Are they staying at the same hotel? I had the impression that those two dudes lived, lived in, in town. So they put this guy in a trunk and then drove to those other two houses to pick these two dudes up? Yeah, yeah. it's a small town. You don't have very far to go. They might have even been at the bar already. Yeah. It just seemed to... Uh, so they, they put a body in the in the trunk and then went to a bar? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they <laughs> went Maybe they went <laughs> seemed, to the bar... Very no, 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 no. no. Here's there. what happened. Here's what happened. Okay. The dude was so big, they had to go to the bar to get the guys to help... Load him the into the trunk. In the trunk. There you go. I made that part up, but that could be. At a bar to begin with. When were they ever at a bar? Because that's what you do. (laughs) I don't know. That was in theory. In theory, the bar. In theory, the bar. It just seems weird that suddenly. Oh, look, those other two guys. Yeah, I agree. That's a little weird. Uh, Then uh, Francis, the uh, local uh, mounted police officer, or local uh, local police officer. I don't know how that works exactly. At Marge. Uh, I see a Marge from Fargo. Yeah, or I think it's supposed to. Kind of. <laughs> Possibly, yes. And Lennox eats a joint. No, oh, it doesn't really eat it. Just holds it in his mouth the whole time. Mm-hmm. They take Stuckmore to the harbor and put him on a boat to Port Huron, sort of. <laughs> with uh, you know, eventually getting on the boat to Port Huron. I don't see how he couldn't have just uh, you know climbed back out of the boat. Yeah, he was fully conscious. <laughs> yeah, and standing up. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, well we we file him away for later. He also, like, fell forever and ever and ever. That was a long fall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To land on a solid surface. Right. If you've ever fallen a long distance, it takes a long time to fall. I know. Wiley Coyote has taught me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Fell off a bunk bed once. And they arrived. I did, too. Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Did you break anything? We're talking about falls. I chipped (laughs) a tooth. Chipped a tooth. I I just got the wind knocked out of me. I was all right. Oh, you broke your tailbone? Oh, the tailbone was sledding? Tailbone was sledding without okay. a sled. Oh. Yeah, you know. Ooh. Hardcore. Hardcore. Denver, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any snowboards. 
at the arena, they talk about what happened when Cutter, at the height of his game, disappeared with the curling stones. Kind of a Jeffrey thing. <laughs> yep, I put that in my notes. This sounds an awful lot like Jeffrey's breakdown in mid-performance. But Lennox apparently worked it out while sitting at a bar and decided that it was probably that his stone was burned, uh, i.e. touched illegally, and Cutter did not admit it. Cheater. They got in the finals because he cheated. Mm-hmm. Wait, he figured it out where? Uh, Lennox, is, he, he was sitting in a bar and he, he, uh, he okay. came to him like in a vision and he lit the stone gotcha. on fire all that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Amy was doing a poor job of keeping Temptation at a distance. Uh, she had the bottle in the, in the passenger seat of her truck. Oh, I missed that. I wasn't, must have been making a note. Yes. But she meets, uh, meets, meets Kurt Cutter at the arena, and he's, he's, she says that she's driving around trying not to drink. And uh, like I said, it was sitting in the passenger seat, so she definitely wasn't trying really, really hard. But uh, so far succeeding in this film. It's hard to drink and drive. Okay, question now. Yes. So she comes and says, oh, I saw your car out front. Yeah. And he's alone in this rink. So where did the guys go? Where did go? the other three guys go? <laughs> did Back they just to the walk? bar, Ben. <laughs> Everybody goes to this bar. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're if you going to picture this town as being the size of about Bozeman, Montana. Ben, what's the smallest town you've ever lived in? Greenville, North Carolina. See, you don't know small town. Because seriously, seriously, you can like walk... Uh, like if you go to West Yellowstone, Yellowstone, you could walk anywhere. Like yeah, the, the whole town of West Yellowstone. The furthest Yellowstone. you have to walk is like four blocks, and that's um, the end of town. I mean, even if you're talking to a town the size of Bozeman, Montana, and I, we've been to Sudbury. I don't remember how big Sudbury is per se, but not, not, not that Long Bay is is Sudbury, but me? Yeah, I went there. Yeah, with you? Yeah, oh, I don't remember that. All right, <laughs> we were driving back from Toronto. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, Sudbury isn't necessarily Long Bay. I get the impression Long Bay might be more like Bozeman. In Bozeman, we were able to to be at a a place on one end of downtown and walk to the other end of downtown, or I mean, walk back walk up the campus. Anywhere. I mean, it was a long walk, but you could walk anywhere. All right, so they walked away. <laughs> they just disappeared. They appeared and disappeared. Was that apparition? Disapparition. Sure. Disapparition. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Yeah, that's right. Apparition. But they, uh, uh, Amy and Cutter talk about her dad and talk about curling, and he gets uh, especially flowery language. Well, not flowery, but uh, definitely uh, contemplative or something. Okay. Yes. I've got the quote over there somewhere. Hmm. Um, and the next day, the, uh, the whole rink of them go skinny dipping for no apparent reason. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, no. Was... There, was, there was a reason why. Okay. It was. It had something to do with some old pact with the beaver tattoos. Well, yeah, I think it was just yeah, maybe just team building. No, it was part of yeah. it though. It bonding, was definitely part of it. A bonding exercise. It was. This was not the first time these gentlemen had done it. Also, oh, because obviously. they it, went down there and they're like, it, there, used there used to be, to be a, a rope ladder. ladder right. So, yeah. well, uh huh. Okay. Skip the rest of the quote. <laughs> I did not realize those were beaver tattoos. Until he sees it on Amy later on, <laughs> I could not tell what those were. They looked like like tipped over bowling ball or bowling pins, and I thought, well, that must be some kind of like maybe it was a curling rock or something. Curling, yeah, storm. definitely did not put any of their budget towards that. That was like done with. Looked like a ballpoint, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell it was a beaver at first either. Sharpie stencil. Uh, Chris goes to the Foley house to get the rest of the rocks and interrupts Julie regarding the uh, dress that was for their wedding. That didn't happen, and they have a uh, awkward semi-comic conversation. <laughs> that dress was ugly. All right. Sand. Wedding person. Loud. Uh huh. 
Yeah, at this point, I wrote down, oh, wait, is she really an astronaut? Because I don't, they like alluded to that, and I didn't really think that they were being serious. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were joking too, Ben. Like, she's like, you know, a really stellar lady. I thought of the, it was some kind of like dad metaphor that was being yeah. used in mm-hmm. the uh, obit. Yeah. But they kept bringing it up. They brought it up. This, this is like, I think, the third time, and was like, oh, this is a plot device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought too. She's really an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Just like that guy on the uh, space station who did, uh, did uh, Space Oddity on the acoustic guitar. He was kind of that. He's Canadian. I can't cool. remember his name. <sighs> I forgot his name. Hard to have an anecdote about someone who can't remember their name. <laughs> well, case in point, though, Jeffrey should have gone after the uh, astronaut. And I know that his name is Chris, but I feel like calling him Jeffrey. <laughs> I understand. That's okay. <laughs> we know what you're talking about. Um, the, the rink curls against a senior rink at the at a curling club, and uh, during this scene, we get another uh, another primer on curling. I think we get a play-by-play of how the game works. Yes, well, I pretty think, much. And I thought that that was impor- important because... It was. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get it just off of the uh, off of Joanne's navel. No. But Joanne had a very good point, and this is how I see curling. Oh, it's like shuffleboard, because that's how I see... I know there's more to it or whatever. I guess that was during the, uh, the was, body painting scene. Yeah, during scene, Lennox's but, scene, yeah. Right, but still, yeah. But that's... I mean, it's. it reminds me a lot of... Um, Bocce ball, which is an Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's similar to that as well. Closest to the middle, you get a point, and then you go and do it on the other side. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, we get uh, they 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 don't do so well. Oh well, hang on. We have to talk about um, Joanna, and this is when we actually get some of her character shown for the first time, and how very one dimensional she is. <laughs> Particularly that she uses the phrase, who lets a dog out? Which, yeah. I don't remember when that song was popular, but by 2002, <laughs> surely it was not popular anymore. No, it was already played out. Hmm? Yeah. I don't know, man. This this lady. Yeah. It's, her outfits later on in the scene. I mean, there's something weird about the. I mean, she's a bimbo. It's just weird. She's a rented girlfriend. <laughs> I know, but it just seems weird that, that she would be in this Paul Gross movie. Yeah, maybe it, maybe it doesn't. I'm trying to think of any kind of parallels to uh, slings and arrows. As far I mean, Sloane was pretty ditzy. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Paul Gross didn't have any writing uh, on slings. And oh, arrows. on slings and arrows. Okay, all right. Mm. It just seemed like a weird character. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, they, so they do poorly against the senior senior uh, rink, including a improbable exploding curling stone. <laughs> do they really crack? Stones. Uh, well, this, I said there were three improbable things, and there's one thing that actually happens. This is not it. <laughs> oh, okay, really? Okay, okay. I, I looked. I looked up. Uh, tried to find reference to exploding curling stones, and I found two references. One was an arson fire of a curling uh, club, <laughs> in which the, stone, the stones exploded in the in the extreme heat of the uh, the arson fire. How sad. And the other was in uh, the uh, motion picture Help with the Beatles. There was an assassin trying to kill Ringo with an exploding curling stone. SC? <laughs> oh, wait, no, we were talking about Lord of the Rings. Never mind. No, Lord of the Rings and curling. And that was uh, off the record. Everybody's going to be wondering what, what that is now. Uh, well, they can look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Um, Julie gives Cutter a kiss and a tape. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll see what the tape is in a, in, a, in a little bit here. But first we get a scene at the, uh, at the AA meeting. 
Amy uh, makes it clear if you didn't already know from uh, from some of her previous lines and uh, and looks and things, uh, she's uh, got it bad for uh, for Chris Cutter. Yep. And I'm not going to use that quote because that quote's definitely coming up later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't get the sign language though. <laughs> Uh, then the, so it turns out they're driving around and the tape is Donald Foley from, uh, voice from, uh, beyond the grave. I was hoping it was a mixtape. Uh, <laughs> telling him the bad performance was to be expected, telling Cutter he needs his dad to coach, but then they are suddenly blocked on the road by a herd of beavers. And they take the hearse into a 360 degree spin that might've actually not only, might've only spun 180 at a time. Yeah, that was interesting, but I don't think that they were digital, right? Because in the outtakes later on, there are live beavers. Like, yeah, I think. It, was, it was like half and half. Half and half. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they had uh, an entire herd of uh, of you know thirty or forty beavers. They probably had ten or twelve beavers, and then they multiplied them digitally. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, Paul: Is a group of beavers called a herd? Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't I don't look know up the collective noun for beaver. Of beavers, I think that a lodge it would be a lodge. Of I'm gonna go with pride. I'd go with I'd say lodge, like lions. I I think either a lodge makes the best sense personally, but I am going to look it up. I am looking I'm enough trying to beat you. <laughs> Who's gonna get it first? <laughs> it's called a colony. 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 I said it. Oh, you said it first. Colony. Okay, you win, I then. still think lodge is better. They live I, in a lodge. I, a group of bears is called a sloth or a sleuth. Sleuth. Hmm. Ants are also called colonies. Oh, and, uh, uh, beavers yep. could also be called a family. Oh, like a mama and papa beaver and some baby beavers. Yeah. Aw, how cute. <laughs> Oh, frogs are called an army. An army of frogs. <laughs> an army of frogs. We've had those around here. Are we all looking at the same page? Uh, because I've got... Home.comcast.net. I've got a list, <laughs> I've got a list of collective nouns in English on Wikipedia. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm on a different website. I'm on groups of critters. <laughs> I'm on one that's called Enchanted Learning, and I'll send you the link in chat. And now I'll have to put it in the show notes. But on the right-hand side of the page, if you search the page for beavers, it actually does list Lodge here. Aha! Uh-huh. Ah, smart. But but it's secondary to Colony. Okay. okay. Yeah, it lists Colony primarily and then, uh, and then um, Family secondly on uh, Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Uh, sadly, only lions are called prides, Amy. Did Please. you know that the bunch of asses are called a pace? No, I've heard. I, actually, I hadn't heard pace. I'd heard the pass, the pass, the p a s s e. The I don't know. I don't even know how that's supposed pace. to be pronounced. Uh, a group <laughs> of actors is called a company or a troop. Uh. <laughs> a group of asteroids are called a belt. Well, there you go. <laughs> group of bees are a drift or a grist <laughs> or an erst. They're a drift. They're just kind of floating up. Ah. Okay. Uh, tangent bell? Tangent bell. <laughs> this is really oh, interesting. <laughs> Don't go away from the page. I'm going to go away it. from the page. Uh, <gasps> peacocks. Peacocks are also... Badgers. Oh, <laughs> uh, puppies are called a litter. Okay. Uh, bevy of quails. Ga- of a gaze of raccoons. A gaze? A gaze. How many times do you see a herd of raccoons? We saw a herd of raccoons. I don't think I've ever seen two at the same time. We, we saw a, three. Well, a family. There was, a, uh, there was a no, litter. No, like they were on the side of the road. Their mom had abandoned them. I think that was a gaze, you mean. That was a gaze of raccoons. That's oh. what I said. 
Oh, I thought he said a litter. Well, I said it was a litter because they were all from the same litter. They were, maybe they were all from the same litter. You don't know. They could have been cousins. Maybe they just ganged up, uh, you know, hey, my mom left me. Oh, mine left me too. No, Let's get their moms didn't leave them. Their moms had parvo. That's what we found out. Well, so did So they. then Paul Gross goes and talks to his dad, right? Uh, I don't know. Let me see here. <laughs> Swans. You're going to have a bank, bevy, drift. Oh, oh it's one away because I went back to my notes. Okay. Okay. Um, they're blocked by the herd of herd of beavers and the 360 uh, degrees. It's not a herd. A colony of beavers. <laughs> or a lodge. Or a lodge. Uh, Cutter helps Gordon <laughs> gather fertilizer and uh, feed the magic mushrooms. So do you think there was, like, a plethora of um, fart foleys in this movie? A plethora of which? Fart foleys between the yeah. cow scene and the, I guess, what Stuck is that more. guy? It's a mobster or Stuck whatever. Stuckmore. His name's Stuckmore. What, what is Stuck it called? A loan shark? What, what are people called when, you, when, they're, when they're payment collectors for bookie. gangsters? Oh. Uh, no? Not your bookie. Yeah, what's, what's, what's the guy who collects for gangsters? Enforcers? Loan shark, I guess, is the person who... Gives loans, yeah. loans you the money. Well, of course, this guy's not a loan shark. This guy sold him the, the pure the And pure what drugs. is a group of loan sharks called? Is that a pride <laughs> of loan sharks? <laughs> anyway. Murder. A murder. Okay. Of... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Broken kneecap. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, after feeding the mushrooms, uh, Chris asks Gordon for help. I'm just going to call Chris Cutter, even though they're both Cutters. Okay. Cutter asked Gordon to help uh, coach the team, coach the rink, and they happen to be in a barn that has a sheet of curling ice already built in. Handily. Just happen to have that. <laughs> uh, so we get the montage. So you get the uh, sort of the uh, slow motion Reservoir Dogs walking shot. Uh, <laughs> yep, something I like that. that. And. Like uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what I think. Is that song a tragically hip song? I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily recognize the tragically was it? hip. I don't. Remember. I don't really. I know. I know of the band, but they weren't one that I always liked. So yeah, what was it? it's very. But the the, 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 the the next thing after they're walking is is new pornographers, okay. mass romantic. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that the the song that was playing for most of the training montage there was was mass romantic by the new pornographers. Okay. I knew that one because I have it. <laughs> I only recognize one song, and that's the song at the very, very end by Our Lady Peace. Ah, yes. Uh, so the training mon- montage, and there's a, a brief uh, cutaway with Eddie trying to conceive, right in the middle of training, <laughs> in the next room. Is that considered a cutaway? They didn't actually cut away, they just... Yeah, they just kind of walked away. <laughs> yeah, that was a walk away. Yeah. Uh, then, they, then we get a scene in the diner where the waitress is taking bets and tells Francis, the cop, what, how the bets are laying. Who played the waitress? I don't know. Look it up. Look it up. Did you think that was Anna? I did. No, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't think it was until the hockey game, and there was one scene where I was like, wow, that kind of looks like Anna, Uh, and this would have been like six years prior, but I I don't think it was either. Okay. It really looked like her, though. I know. That was the one person that I thought maybe that was a crossover, but... We haven't we haven't heard of who the third crossover was yet, have we? No, you haven't. Darcy knows already because I told her about it while we were watching, but we'll get to it. And the waitress... I don't even know if the waitress has a name. Seafullcast. Seafullcast. I don't know who Seafullcast is. <laughs> it's an odd name. Seafull? Who would name their kid Seafull? That's horrible. What's the name of this movie? Men with Brooms. I, yeah. So you think that's Belle? Is her name Belle, maybe? I have no idea. What, what do you think the tagline for this movie is? She's got no headshot. 
The tagline? Uh, I, well, I, I think I know what it is already. I knew what the tagline uh, was already, so. Well, I'll tell the audience then. There's more than one way to sweep a woman off her feet. That's oh, it. for God's <laughs> sake. Because they use, you know, brooms and, like, yeah. you sweep. Who's Primrose? Well, Primrose is too late in the movie. This is an order oh. of appearance. Oh, it's an order of appearance. So she'd have to be Belle, maybe. Uh, if And if she is Belle, then uh, she doesn't have a headshot, but was also in Repo Men. Not Repo, <laughs> not Repo Man, but Repo Men. Oh, okay. Uh, Lars and the Lars Real, and the Real girl. girl. And Owning Mahoney with uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hmm. Yeah, she's got to be, Bill. I'm looking at the same thing. Hmm. Okay. It totally looks like... Definitely not Anna. Not Anna, for sure. Only at the, the... I think I called it a hockey scene earlier, but only at the actual like curling event scenes yeah. did, did I think she looked like Anna. <coughs> Pardon me. Well, she did look too young, I thought, but... The way around, I thought she looked too old in this movie really? compared to I Anna and... Slings and arrows. Huh. Okay. Um, and uh, Francis, uh, when when the waitress asks if there's anything else that Francis would like, uh, she says some cream, and then she bets twenty on Cutter's rink. <laughs> yep, I put that in my notes. I put cop lady bets on Chris's l- rink. Smile. And was was that like? Because all the patrons kind of look over her to see what she would do. Is that to like see if it's okay for if she's going to look the other way and allow them to gamble? Maybe I don't know. I, I suspect that it, I, I think that you know. Obviously, it's pretty pretty well known in the town that that was uh, where you go for the bets. Yeah, uh, it must have been. But maybe just to see where she was, where her mood was laying. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, next scene: Eddie is producing a sample. Uh, it looks uh, look th- 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 things look bad for them to actually conceive naturally, uh, as he has no motility in his sperm, and they uh, they. Uh, decide that they might have to look for for a donor and they talk through uh, quickly who uh, what what all the other members of the rink might be like and the none of them are suitable and the uh oh might be like in that role Lennox is too Lennox <laughs> <laughs> uh at the music house Linda is uh meeting with Ronald who is apparently taking care of all of Neil's business that the guy Wait, yeah, who's Ronald? Ronald is uh, Ronald is the guy that she was cheating with at the time, as well as the guy that she said was running the curling, running the curling, running the the uh, funeral home business in his absence. Ah, oh. okay. Was he also when he when Lennox is like about to go into the crematorium? Was he the other guy? Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's the other the other uh, the other. I uh, missed all of that until a scene later on where they're actually having sex, and she tells him to leave at one point. Yeah, that's Ronald. Okay. Yep, and then, and then then she references it right after that when she's talking to him about how uh, how Ro- Ronald is busy running the business that my father basically handed to you. Ah, uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So I, that's why I said he's apparently taking care of all Neil's business. Mm. Linda does not like the curling. No. And we get some more training montage, and it turns out that Gordon's got a fairly bad back. Mm-hmm. And we get a scene at the uh, therapeutic pool. Amy is a physical therapist. Treating Gordon's back. And uh, Carter wants Amy's advice on Julia. It's not such a good idea. How do you guys think that training pool works? The therapeutic pool? Yeah, like... It's, like, like hot, really hot. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. It's, I was thinking... Oh, go ahead. It's warm, and then it's also just that you you have the buoyancy to to, um, to exercise without putting as much 
weight as you would put on a nat- in a you know just a normal air environment. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they use the buoyancy right. to its advantage. And then that's a- after yeah. you like have arthritis, that sort of thing, it feels just so so good because it, it it does release pain and. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's also a, if it's also extra salinated. Probably, yeah. I know some therapeutic pools are extra salinated, which increases the buoyancy even more. Makes me which means it has salt in it, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Salinated. Salinated. Bear trap hot springs. Bear trap hot springs was salinated? Did you ever taste the water? No, I never tasted the water. because I just had too much beer in it. Beer and naked people. Yeah. Okay. Gross. All right. Uh, Asa. It's only on Thursdays, wasn't it? No N. Asa. Yeah, yeah. Asa looks at the flight deck for the mission where Julie is the second alternate. And uh, so far she is just a... So what does Asa stand for? American, American Space, Space Association. What does NASA stand for? National North America. Or is it National Aeronautics and Space Administration? Yeah, that's right. Yes. But she's... Why? I know. Why do we need these two dudes? Yeah, I, I don't know. They don't pay off later at all. I mean, yeah. I understand. They could have just easily said, oh, wait, I'm going to space now yes. or something. <laughs> I think it was there for comic relief or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think a phone call would have sufficed. You right. got the, the silly Americans who don't know curling. Silly <laughs> Americans. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what Joanne is. Joanne a silly Canadian who doesn't know curling because she's just silly? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Cutter has a meal. Is this the part of the movie where they start, where they have this, or... What? You you cut out, you just said where they have this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't hear you for a second either. Is this the part of the movie where Chris goes into this speech about how awesome curling is? No, that was earlier, that was way early on when he met with Amy at the, at the, um, at the arena. Oh. Well, at some point there's like a voiceover. With some dramatic music, are we not there oh, yet? Oh, that's Gordon. Gordon does that that speech. Oh, yeah, that's, okay. That, yeah, that's 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 right before the finals. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I meant. So we're not there yet. No, no, certainly not. Okay. Um, Cutter has a meal with Julie at the diner, and then they shag in his car, which Amy sees out of the window of the house. Aren't they a so little they've had old sex twice to be now, doing right? that in the car? A little bit old uh-huh. to be doing it in the car. Yeah, uh. too old to do it in the car. You yeah, never. You're <laughs> They have standards. Mm. So they've had sex twice now in this movie, right? Twice? Didn't they have sex earlier? Or maybe, oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe it was just a kiss. Well, yeah, it yeah, was just a kiss. kiss. Never mind. Yep. The mercy. Well, I yeah. this yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, and then uh, Amy uh, apparently takes this very poorly because she's drunk meeting up with Lennox at the motel. Uh, but Lennox does nothing with her. Uh, Cutter finds her there and takes her home. And uh, meanwhile, at uh, Asa, there's trouble with the flight crew. It means that she's now the first alternate for the flight deck, and there's some more uh, more training montage after that. A little hard to say much about training montages. Yeah, it is. But then we get into the first day of the tournament, and you have uh, two announcers, one who's, uh, who's definitely uh, the straight man and one who's the euchre. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And the actor... Yep. Who plays the announcer? Who is the 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 Bob Euchre kind, the 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 more animated one? The color Greg, commentator, Greg Guinness. Greg Guinness, the color commentator, is Bob Bainborough, 
and he was previously seen by us uh, as a cop asking if, he, if Jeffrey is a suicide risk and then taking his belt and shoelaces. Weird. You don't remember that? No, I missed of that. Of course I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it was after the duel in Slings and Arrows? Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. Yes. I was reading my notes, and then I thought you said that I was in this movie. I was ah. like, I don't remember this movie. Yes. No. Uh, that's, a, that's the third guy. That's the third guy. Hmm. Nope, I didn't recognize him either. Gordon is eating shrooms at the tournament, and the world champion, Alexander Yount of Butte, Montana, <laughs> enters, and he enters in a weird display, wearing a fur coat with pyrotechnics and cheerleaders and music, uh, wearing Mylar suits. Apparently oh, where's, where is Evil Knievel from? <laughs> and that, oh, that's a good one, too. Yes. I was going to say, apparently he thinks he's a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, evil he kind of does, but yeah, evil, evil, evil's from Butte. I know. I'm pretty sure, but don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that this guy's nickname is the Juggernaut. That is correct. Yes, yep, pretty sure correct. they only say it like, like 85 times oof. in this movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe a hundred, but yeah, you're right. Because I'm pretty sure they call him the Juggernaut once or twice. Just it's come up. Times did you notice? Um, I don't know if they've gone through all the the uh, the team names, but did you notice the cameo? Yes, the tragically hip representing Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Cutter, Cutter's Rink has to play Yount in the first match of the uh, apparently double elimination tourney. So I have a question. It looked like three games were happening at once. Yeah, Is that how this works? I mean, there's probably even more than three. There's definitely, at, a, at, the, at my dad's curling club, I think there were six sheets total. Yeah. And so they all go on at once. Yeah. And they work, work their way through the brackets. Yes. And then the first elimination happens one day, and the second elimination happens two weeks later? Because uh, that's what it seemed like happened in this movie. <laughs> I don't know that I that's was, always the case. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a three-day tournament, I thought. But uh, Okay, all right. But yes, there were, there were multiple days of tourney. Uh, but yeah, things don't start very well. The color commentator lists a, a whole list of Canadian city names. I've been to all of them except for Kingston. But I've been to Kamloops and Rocky Mountain House and Medicine Hat and Moose Jaw and all the rest of those Kamloops. Hmm. Yay. Cool. Moose Jaw and Medicine Hat were team nicknames. I didn't realize those were actual towns. Yes, no, those are cities, yes. Huh. Every, every last one of the things that they were naming there were, were cities. I've been everywhere. I, yeah, I figured some of them, I wasn't clear on that either. I knew Moose Jaw and Medicine Hat were cities, but so I should have gotten the other ones, but thank you for clearing that up. Yes, and the Tragically Hip were playing for Kingston. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at the Foley House, Asa has arrived at the Foley House. Because they have to go there. They have to go to Ontario. Yeah. They can't just yeah. give her a phone call or, yeah, in, or so email weird. or text. Maybe she yeah. has a beeper. A beeper, pager, yeah. In 2002, no one had beepers anymore. <laughs> everyone definitely, not everyone had Cell phones, but I mean, a vast majority of people had cell phones. Not I had a cell phone, so you, you got to know that, yeah. <laughs> I had a cell phone yet. Really? I'm trying to remember. I, I would have been 20, and I don't think I got my cell phone until I was 22, 23. Okay. About this scene, I, the note I wrote for this scene was, I, I'm pretty sure, quote, Asa... Unquote. <laughs> Guys, don't go around in police hats in real life. Just yeah, saying. Full uniform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, are they the only two Americans and maybe Andrea slash Joanne? 
Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anybody else. Oh, and then uh, then the entire uh, you know Yount team is from Butte. Butte. Oh yeah. Uh, huh. I just now realized that means the uh, antagonists are Americans. Yes, as well. they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, that's right. Not that that really makes a difference, but. Uh, so this is still. Uh, this all happens while they are still playing the first uh, the first uh, match, and uh, near the uh, near the end of the uh, match, uh, Cutter has a tough shot. And he makes the shot, but Eddie's foot touched the stone while they were playing. Gordon confronts him about it, even, but he does not call the burned rock. So these guys aren't very good at, like, not stepping on these rocks, right? I guess. I mean, three for three. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit, but basically uh, it's a moot point because Yount clears them on out right after that and wins, Yount wins the game. Uh, afterwards, and I, I can't tell if this all, all that dialogue actually happened or if that was all in Cutter's head. But you hear each person talking about how, how you know he messed up again and all of that. I, I'm not clear on whether any of them actually said any of that or if Cutter was imagining them saying it all in his head. I don't know either. Me neither. Uh, Linda threatens divorce, so Neil quits the rink. Well, she doesn't directly threaten divorce. She, she, she uses Sundays. cryptic language. <laughs> Shaw, camel, back. Uh, and then Asa tells Julie she's going on the flight deck. Couldn't they just... Never mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. We already yeah. got that. We covered it. Do not need to be there. Do not need to like add an extra fifteen minutes to this movie for a plot line that goes nowhere. <laughs> uh, Amy, I mean, see, it doesn't go anywhere. It goes into right? space. Eventually into space. Does it? But we yeah. never see. Her we leave. never see it. No. We never see. We never go to see her go to space. We don't even see her leave. No. Do we? No, we don't. I don't think so. What and does we- that purpose of that serve at all? <laughs> Other than the fact that she's going to space, so that means the other sister can move in. That was Uh, pretty much it. Maybe, but uh, geez. I guess that's Mm -hmm. it, though. Yeah, and I was expecting them to have a conflict where she has to go away, and that tears her uh, significant other away from the curling rink. I was expecting that to be another source of conflict, possibly taking one of the four players away from the tournament. Mm -hmm. And that never happened, and it was kind of strange. Right. Right, their plotline never really seemed to go anywhere. So Amy and Julie talk about Cutter uh, in the attic. Or was it the attic or the basement? I couldn't. Have, anyways, they talk about Cutter, um, and then uh, Cutter makes some purchases at the bar, <laughs> and uh, Amy takes Cutter to the cemetery where Gordon waits. They talk about the late Mrs. Cutter, uh, the late uh, Gordon Gordon's late wife. Uh, Chris's late mother, uh, and they talk about their strained relationship, and Gordon tells tells uh, Carter to take a good long look at uh, at Amy in the truck. Uh, next day of the tourney, this is actually this is the speech that you were thinking about, Amy. They're in the sweat lodge. In yeah, the, in, this one. In the improvised sauna sweat lodge, they're making steam with <laughs> the curling stones. Second, improb- <laughs> second improbable thing. I don't think it happens ever. Probably not. They're 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 a little bit more valuable than that. Yeah, I would imagine. No, no, no. What are bowling balls made out of? I think they're a lot. I mean, there are a lot of different things now, but I mean, basically, they're they're nylon. Yeah. Okay. I think there's some kind of plastic. What do you think they were originally? Bowling balls. Do you think they were granite or marble? They surely they weren't marble because that would have cost way too much. But the only people who played it were rich. It could have been, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, and then you got you got you got nine pins versus ten pins too. Because I was gonna they, say Rick Van Winkle played ten pin. Candlestick too. And he wasn't very rich. Hmm. 
Well, I tell, well, if ten pins was ten pins was formed off of nine pins, nine pins was was uh, was made illegal. People, uh, the citizens were no longer allowed to play nine pins, so they added a tenth pin and then they mm. got around <laughs> it. That's what I always why heard. Was it, why was it illegal? Because of gambling, sumptuary laws. Yeah, it was, I think it was the church, the Puritans, maybe. I don't know. This is all off the top of my head. Right. Anyways, this is not bowling. This is curling. Gordon <laughs> gives his monologue on curling, which leads to another curling montage. Uh, the cutter rink now has Gordon as lead rock. They're also using their own stones with Foley aboard. <laughs> and uh, they're using the traditional old-style brooms and doing better. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't think they would do better with the old brooms. Yeah, probably the new brooms are designed better to, to really do higher performance. But, you know, they're just... They're yeah. just uh, they're, they're getting back in touch with the roots of the game and get, getting better because of that. Mm-hmm. And here we get the third improbable thing that I saw on the screen, which is the guy uh, doing the spinning <laughs> stone release in the middle of the tourney. Uh, and is that, that is a real thing. No. I can see that being a real thing. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the person on screen is Jeff Stoughton. He's a uh, three-time uh, champion. World, a three-time world champion and a multi, uh, multiple-time national champion curler. He trademarked this, uh, I don't know if he trademarked it, but it's his trademark shot, the Spinorama shot. He usually only does it sort of in exhibition to entertain crowds, but occasionally during a tournament, if there's a, if there's a you know, it's time to throw the last stone and there's no way that anybody, that, that he's going to score any points on it or anything, if it's just a throwaway, throwaway stone, he'll, he'll do it on, uh, in a tournament, but rarely, hmm. very rarely, only for shots that mean nothing at all. So that is a real thing. A real thing. Hmm. Gordon's back acts up. Gordon tells Cutter to do one... uh, Oh, yeah, this is the the end of that match. Uh, He tells Cutter to do a a certain thing, which I didn't write down because it was, you know, curling stuff that I don't understand. If Cutter wants to do a harder shot, he does it, and now they are going to be up against Yount in the finals, but uh, without Gordon, who is back, has failed utterly. Mm -hmm. Poor guy. Julie meets Cutter in the locker room and basically says, it's all okay. It, it looked like it was about to be a long conversation. She basically says, well, here, what, what I came to tell you is, it's all okay. You, me, Amy, everything, it's okay. Don't worry about <coughs> it. And then leaves. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but uh, Jeffrey, or Jeffrey, uh, <laughs> Cutter, Oliver. Cutter does get to make the, uh, the uh, what in my opinion, still bad taste O-ring joke. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not incorrect on that, right? That is in poor taste? Mm-hmm. I thought so. But maybe that's a jingoistic American talking. Maybe it's not in poor taste to people who are not from this country. I don't know. All right, I'm confused now. Okay. What? What do you? What? Why is that offensive? The O-ring that that failed and and made the. Uh, yeah, is that a vagina joke? No, no. It's the it's the uh, the solid rocket booster when the when the um, Challenger blew up. So it's the Challenger. Oh, okay, the Challenger joke. Yeah, the sol- right. solid rocket booster had an O-ring that was uh, that was made of rubber. It uh, froze and thawed and froze and thawed and failed, and that's what caused that's the why explosion. They died. That's why all those people died and went to the bottom of the Atlantic. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I thought it was still in poor taste. I, okay. I have a... Do you know Challenger jokes used to be a thing? Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that 9-11 jokes were probably a thing, too. Were they really? Suppose. Probably. I mean, Somewhere. it's a way to kind of, like, deal with tragedy. Yes. Yeah. I completely missed the O-ring joke, though, in this movie. And, like, they even do it in the outtakes at the end. Yeah, he repeats I, it a second time. Still didn't get it, so... He thought it was a vagina joke. I did. The O-ring. <laughs> Like the like an O face, yeah, yeah. down there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just a perv. Yeah, I think that's clear. <laughs> but, but it does take one to know one. Yeah, it does. That's for darn sure. 
the rig decides to continue as a threesome, and then they uh, they drink and talk out their talk out of their asses in front of the tailings dump. <laughs> Why are they there? So that there would be something spectacular happening in the background at the end of the scene, just for the heck of it. Now, why are they throwing uh, the the, the why are they running all or molten metal down the side of the hill? Well, because once they once they've extracted all of the ore and and gotten all the pure ore out, the rest is just slag, and they dump it. They dump it. Yeah. And then what happens to it? It just stays in that pile outside of the uh, the refinery oh. forever and ever. I I've never seen this before. for a couple million years. Yeah, I called it a tailings dump, but it's actually technically a slag heap. Slag heap. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to a rousing uh, song of O Canada, we enter did, the final round. Did anybody else sing along? Uh, nope. No, no, no. But I do know most uh, of the lyrics. I don't know the words. I only know two two words in that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm with that. <them. laughs> okay. I make the rest up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's O Canada, our home and native land. Our home and native we land. We like some <laughs> Two patriots love we to all our sons' command. Play hockey Ian. with sticks. Yeah, Amy's got it for real. Yeah, it's true patriots I'm, love in all our sons' Ian. command. Yeah, all yeah. our sons' command. All right, now, Darcy, can you sing the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> that I That's can. our national anthem, you right? Know, yeah. You know, yeah. I can do that one. Actually, my, my uh, kids both can do that as well without any, any flub-ups. They're very good. All right. All right. You don't have to sing it. Say it. No. I've, I've done good work. Oh, say, can you see? <laughs> oh, you want me to sing it? I can, yeah, gar- yeah. I can I gargle it for you. You don't have to sing it. Just <laughs> you can't Please gargle it with gargle. the lyrics. <laughs> Yes, I. Uh, you want me to sing it, Ben? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, or say it. You don't have to sing what? it. What? Oh, the say, point? can you see? Are, ben? I just want to know if you know them all. Of course, what? I know them all. All right. Oh, say, can you see? By the dawn's early light. Was <laughs> <laughs> the prodding we hail as the twilight's light? Hailed, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I can't I do know, it. I, I'm tired. I've been up since five, Ben. Okay. okay. I mean, yeah, okay. If, if, you, if you really force her to do this, she'll, she's bound to mess up, and then she'll end up like Roseanne and grab her crotch and spit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we, then, don't, we don't need that. Yeah. So proudly we hail. I don't know what happens after what's so proudly we hail. At the, at the twilight's last gleaming. Whose bright stripes and bright stars through the perilous place. We're so gallantly streaming, and the and rockets, rockets red glare, the bombs bursting in air, <laughs> gave proof through the night that our flag was still, still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave? Oh, of the free. Oh, and on that song, my dad. Yeah, he's from from Boston, and they used to have the Boston Braves. And he thought yeah. when they sang the that that song, they could only sing the home of the Braves at Fenway. He was sure of that because it was the home of the Braves. Right, right. Hmm. There you go. There you go. <coughs> Pardon me. And the land of the free is the last couple of words. All right. We didn't finish it. I wanted to finish it. And the home of the Braves. <laughs> and the home of the Braves. I think we got it covered. Okay. Danger Bell. Danger Bell. Oh, Danger. I'm so tired. Uh, Cutter's Rink is suffering. In this uh, final round, Lennox misses a rough shot and prospects look grim. Gordon says that they need Busick, their lead rock. And Busick is at the country club. And he's seeing everyone around him is dead. Uh, Joanne comes and fetches him over his wife's objection. And then we get a montage of turnaround. There's a a tense moment where Yant could finish them, but he misses. And then there's another time, but he doesn't miss. 
and they're in a real fix. Uh, Gordon suggests that Cutter try the -the round-the-clock maneuver. Round-the-clock. Which he saw done by the Swedes in the 73 World Championship, which, incidentally, the Swedes won the World Championship that year. I checked. Did they do a round-the-clock? I wasn't able to confirm that. Because all sports movies have, like, a triple deke, and this is the one for this sports movie, I assume. Yes, there you go. You know, this crazy sports move that they do at the end of the competition when it's Mm -hmm. tied one-to-one in extra innings or whatever. Yes. Hail Mary, there you go. However, Busick burns the rock, and despite the shot working, Cutter calls it. The official even tries to let them off the hook. The town needs this. This is no time for sportsmanship. There you go. this guy a referee or just a reporter? Uh, He's the the official at the... uh, Oh, okay. Um, So, uh, the official tries to let him off, but he doesn't... uh, He he calls it, and then Yount tells them to let him reset and try it a second time. Because he'll never get it. And you want to win that way? Would you? Do you want to win that way? He burned the rock, and therefore we just win. Yeah. No. 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 He's just he's 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 he may be the juggernaut, but he's still a, a human at heart. Mm-hmm. He's from butt. He's the man from butt. <laughs> um, Cutter listens to Foley, puts his ear to the stone, then steps off the sheet to talk to Amy. Cutter makes the preposterous stone exploding shot and wins the game. <laughs> wins the uh, tournament. With the ashes of a dead man in the twinkling house. down on the bottom. so is that the right rule then? Is it the the biggest chunk of rock <laughs> closest to the center? I, that sounded a little made up. I believe, especially if you're saying that exploding rocks or cracked rocks don't really happen. Yes, I believe. Uh, I believe we covered that earlier. Yes, I think that's license. a bunch of hooey. <laughs> Right, but they explicitly state that the rule is the biggest piece of rock. Well, yes. they made that yes. rule up for the movie. So they could ex- okay. do exploding. Okay. Yeah. I, and I thought it was enough that it, I didn't think they had to set up that a rock explodes earlier in the uh, in the movie so that they could explode another one later on. Right. I think it would have been a better payoff if they didn't do that in the movie. I agree. I agree. They should have, they should have held out because then you don't think this could really happen. Right. Yeah, it might have made it more dramatic. Yeah. <sighs> Meanwhile, Lily has had a positive pregnancy test, and Yount congratulates Cutter. Cutter and Gordon embrace. Stuckmore arrives, forgives Lennox his debt because he respects the curling. <laughs> has a massive head wound that has been bleeding for two weeks. No kidding. <laughs> How long do you yeah. think it's been three since days. they put him on? Just three days. Three it days. just seems like like this went on forever. Maybe I <laughs> did keep their their weeks. hair didn't grow. You know. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe he's been keeping it dressed, and he pulled the dressing off, and it started bleeding again. Yeah, that always that always sucks when that happens. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, <laughs> how do you know about that, Paul? I've had wounds that I just take the dressing off too early Ugh. and had it bleed. I don't want to talk about those. Yeah. All right then. Keep okay, we're done. Okay. That was gross. You asked. It was gross. I you forgot. asked. I forgot for a minute. Um, at the bar, Stuckmore is knocking back shots of milk with Neil's kids. Yeah, that was a little weird. Little kids doing shots. Shots of milk. Yeah, yeah, I know, but still, it was weird. My little kids go cheers. They think it's so cute. Well, they don't do shots. <laughs> the, yeah, they those kids looked they like they had shots. had a hard day at work and were just throwing back shots of milk. There you go. <laughs> White rations. Neil says he always wanted to run a nursery. That is weird. Okay. Okay, and the reason why I don't know, you know, I told you guys about my family. What do you think my my uncle, who is now not in the biz, what do you think he does now? Runs a mortuary. No, he he got out of the business. And now he does something else. Grows pot. They bought a nursery. Nursery. And they (laughs) grow tomatoes and flowers. Oh. 
I know. Isn't that weird? I was like, that doesn't really happen. It's a mortuary guy who stopped uh, doing, wants to stop doing mortuary and do nursery instead. I know. So, and that's what that's what he does now. Because hmm. it was horrible. And uh, last few moments of the movie, Cutter and Amy leave the bar, finally have a kiss, and the uh, beaver colony enters town. Yeah, those were digit beavers for sure. Yeah, digit beavers. And finally, you can tell because they go over the curb and they don't fall down. They just kind of go straight <laughs> over the curb, drift over the curb. <laughs> they swim, uh-huh. swim over, <laughs> swimming. And they return the stones to the lake. The end. Mm-hmm. They wrapped it up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we want to rate this. I didn't really plan to personally. I rated it on Netflix. I can tell you what I put that. Okay. I have. I gave it a three out of five. I mean, I liked it. I didn't. I didn't hate it, which is what a two star review for Netflix is. And I didn't really like it. Yeah. But a vast majority of movies that I watch, I mean, unless there's something in it that fundamentally bothers me, get a three star at least because I appreciate the effort that the artist did. Yeah, I thought. I thought. I. I, I think it. It had a hard time deciding what kind of movie it was. It was a sports movie. Or was it a romantic comedy, and they were really pushing the romantic comedy very hard, and they were sort of you know half-assing through You're the right. romantic comedy part. It was part. kind of yeah, yeah. Right. It didn't have good focus. It was a comedy. They tried to have a little drama in it, and the drama wasn't real hard drama. The comedy yeah. was the comedy was was good-natured for the most part. Mm-hmm. A little bit slapstick, a lot of falling down and fart jokes. Yes. I like the Especially falling Especially in the down. beginning. The falling down was funny. I liked that. The two on the ice were that, pretty funny. I know. It made me laugh <laughs> each time. So there you go. But that was the probably... Honestly, that's probably like the highlight of the movie for me. <laughs> was the guys falling on the ice? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Ben, you give it a nice three. You know... I do appreciate the art and the work, but yeah. Well, I don't think you would have given. I don't think you would have given it a two, meaning hated it on Netflix. Yeah, I... if we do our ten star scale on. Uh, okay, our ten. Era, our ten. I'll give it a. Five. I will give it. Yeah, me too. Five exploding rocks. Or I give it five uh, beaver tattoos. <laughs> or or, or <laughs> geez, did you? There were five beaver tattoos. I know. Isn't that there funny? There you go. Digi beavers. Digi beavers. Digi beavers. <laughs> Would would someone like to start to start the quote section? Well, hang on, Amy. Did you? Did I you haven't. Read it? Sorry, no, I yes. haven't. Yeah, I oh, was thinking right. about what to say. Oh sure. Um, I was trying to pick something because I did not pre-write down a rating for this. Okay. Uh, sure. I I basically I agree with uh Dan's assessment. I I liked it. I I it struck me as really more a sports movie first and foremost, and also a comedy. So I'm going to go with six out of ten ASA police hats. There you go. There you Excellent. Go. Nice. And I suppose if I was going to just give it a off the cuff rating, I'd go. Uh, I'd go seven out of ten. Uh, Digi Beavers, as I said. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the one thing that it's noted for, or notable for, according to various review sites, is that it's it's general good natured sort of middle of the road Canadian comedy. It's not. Uh, it's not harsh against anyone in particular. No, it was quirky. It was good. That yeah, way. I'll give it quirky. quirky, fun, quirky, silly fun, and I liked that. It, it didn't really do much for me. Following, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to remember it too much this time next year. Yeah, follow, yeah, following the conclusion of Slings and Arrows, Paul Gross produced a uh, half-hour sitcom of Slings and of Slings and Arrows of uh, Men with Brooms on the CBC, and it lasted, I think, ten episodes total. Really? Yes. Interesting. 
Do you know the characters behind that, or is it the same kind of like lineup? Yeah, I think it. I I, I don't know for sure, but I think it's I think it's one of those TV short series that's basically like you know retelling part of the movie. There, there, there was a lot of those back in the '80s where they'd make, you know, right. make a movie and then like they'd make Alice, a, make a TV show out of it that sort of covered the movie to, for the for the first part. They did Baby Boom. Yeah, Baby Boom was a movie, and then when they, they and when they made the television series, it was basically each episode was like a little chunk of the movie for the first bit. Well, and go ask or Alice doesn't live here anymore, and then they made the television show Alice, which yeah. was vastly different than the movie. Exactly. Exactly. But the first couple episodes and Alice and her son Tommy, that was ripped straight out of the movie. Yes. So. Uh, Angie, no. are, are people interested in quotes? I have at least yeah. one. Well, let's go with people who have the fewest quotes first. I've got, let's see, I think I have at least two. Yeah. Yeah, I got two here. Ben, do you only have one? Um, yeah, I just have one that I'm going to say. Uh, and that was, I've played on a lot of ice all over the planet we call home. <laughs> or all over this planet we call home. I fucked it up. Yeah. Just the very serious uh, delivery that the Juggernaut gives, that i played <laughs> on a lot of ice all over this planet we call home. But I believe that was the best shot I've ever, something like that. It was, it was just so weird and, like, random and, like, so serious. I was like, that was the shittiest dialogue ever. I cannot believe that Paul <laughs> Gross wrote that. And then they undercut it, like, two seconds later. Yeah, that helped. This planet we call home? <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty I, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, and I, 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 for, I forgot uh, to mention uh, Yount. I, uh, is, uh, he's played by Greg Brick. He's not been in a lot of other things, but one, note, one notable role that I saw that he was in the Dresden Files um, in, the, uh, in the actual Stormfront episode, um, which is based on the first novel of the series, as the gangster Tommy Tom. <laughs> that would be the, I think you're the only one who's seen Dresden Files, the right, The dead Paul? guy in the bed. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. You want me to read my quote now? Okay. It's from that speech that I mentioned. Since that day, curling has been a game of the people. It, is forego- it has foregone trappings of commerce, embraced all comers, cherished the truth that all who play the game on any rink on any given day can be victorious. I like that, and I put, it, that's certainly true. If you're not Canadian, the only time you ever hear or think about curling is during the Winter Olympics. I think this is probably largely because it's not commercialized very much, which I think is a girl good is a good thing. Hmm. So I I liked I think he was making a really really good and very true point about curling and why it is cool and awesome. Yeah. Very moment of seriousness and like yep. acknowledging the sport. Mhm. Definitely. Definitely. Mhm. All right, Darius. Okay, I like the one where uh, uh, Paul Gross taking what's her name home when she's drunk and the little kids there, and she and he says she's okay, she's just tired, and he says it's nice that you're lying to me, but we both know she's shit faced. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and I'll go with um, I'll go with the AA meeting, I suppose. Where she says, uh, the point is lately I've been feeling like I need a touch-me-up because I just don't know which way to turn. And the kind of rough-looking guy says, hey, you can turn to me anytime you want. To which she replies, thank you, that's sweet, but I'd rather shit in my mouth. And, then the, <laughs> and the sign language interpreter makes it even better, but... Uh. You, can't, you can't do that, but yeah, the sign language interpreter is pretty funny. <laughs>
So what's our assignment for next week, Paul? Uh, well, it's are the, we there yet? <laughs> it is. It is the. Uh, it is the first episode of uh, season three of Slings and Arrows, which I think I already named in the last episode that we did. But we'll double check. Divided Kingdom. Yes, you did. Yes, because we were debating on which kingdom is divided and which one they would be. That's right. What play they'll be concentrating on, which I think we determined there's a lot of Shakespeare plays that involve a divided kingdom. Yeah. There are. So it could be any of them. Could be. Could be. Yep. Or it could just refer to the the, the uh, theater itself and not necessarily to the uh, oh, you're the right. play of you're the, right, of the season. There was that whole, yeah. Could be. Oh, yeah, but, you know, the, every season... The play that they're focusing on, there are homages and bits and pieces of it in the stuff that is happening to the characters at large. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's right. There are. So there will be a divided kingdom between, uh, who is it? It's between Richard and Jeffrey, I guess. One of which will be the Capulets and one of which will be the Monkey Boots. (laughs) Something to that effect. Something like that. I'm still betting on Romeo and Juliet, but I think, well. they just did that. I know, right? So. What were the other ones? King Henry V or... Henry V. King Rich, Lear. Richard III. Uh, King Lear. Um, 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 I'm thinking comedies, but those... Oh, what about the the singing one? The major general one? That's the Pirates of Penzance. Is there a split kingdom in that? No, I don't think so. No, no not really. <laughs> some pirates. And they were already producing it during some the season. Pants. <laughs> some pants. Some pants. <laughs> It's also not Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, okay. It's not. That, that's okay. It's uh, Pirates Without Pants. Gilbert yes. Sullivan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess Shakespeare didn't do a musical, did he? No. <laughs> no. No, there was a little singing in a couple of the plays. Uh, oh, Ophelia. Ophelia. Uh, there was singing in... Oh, what's that one? Julius the one Caesar? With, no, the one with all the world stage. Uh, and Jaquis and uh, Help Me Here, buddy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? As You Like It? That's the one. Yep. They're singing in that one. All right. So they're singing in Merry Wives? They're singing in Merry Wives. They're singing in uh, The Tempest. They're singing Othello? in... Uh, no, singing in Othello. I don't Othello think. doesn't sing? Like the... Uh, no. Maybe, maybe that was just a... That would just be... Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some singing in some place, but it's not very much. And I don't I think off the, well, and, and, and all of it is basic. You know, any singing you see in any production is an interpretation. There's no no record of what a no. tune should be. There is isn't. They just say yeah. that they're singing, and yeah. then there's lyrics. And, yeah. You know, I don't even think they sheet music had been invented. That's Shakespeare time. Or it was in its very, very early stages. There might not have been standardized musical notation yet. Yeah, because that was relatively, I mean, within the past 400 years. Wow. And Shakespeare was 1500s, 1600s? The very end of the 1500s and beginning of the 1600s, yes. Which was 500 years ago. Yes. There you go. Right? Mm. No, 400 (laughs) years ago. 400, yeah. It's a long time ago, though. It is. On bed. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll uh, meet you all back on the next episode, which mm-hmm. will be uh, season three, episode one, "Divided Kingdom." And uh, I have been Paul Mackey, and I've been Amy Bowen, and I am always Ben Pfeiffer, and I'm Darcy. Still, no last name, Darcy. <laughs> Darcy Zepernick, or whatever I want to be this week. Goodbye. And you've been abeverated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good night.